Hello, and welcome to Maximal Fire, the podcast for Princeps. I'm Alex. I'm Chris. And you will notice that Chris is not Ben. So unfortunately, Ben's not going to be uh, joining us for this particular episode, but Chris from Tabletop Standard has um, valiantly stepped into the fray to offer his service on this uh, particular episode. Thanks again, Chris. No worries. Uh, Last minute, but I'm happy to help where I can. Thank you very much. And your expertise, always welcome. So for those people who don't know, Chris is uh, the main man for uh, Tabletop Standard who do battle reports. How many of those are you kicking out on a kind of weekly, monthly basis at the moment? So consistently, since we moved house in August, and I've got lots to do, um, I'm doing two a month, I would say. One is going on YouTube, and one is a special exclusive bat rep for my Patreons, because they are literally propping up the show. So thanks to them, and that's what they're getting. No, absolutely. I mean... Our patrons are, are beautiful people. I wish that I had more to show for <laughs> what, uh, what they're paying for. There's plans in the future. I keep saying there's plans for the future, I promise. Um, but they do get a nice fancy 10% off Battle Bling, which I think they can also get through you guys. They can. I think, I think it might have been us first. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. That, that actually, I think that actually caused a point of contrition because like, I know John and Johnny longer <laughs> than you. You got in there first with the sponsorship. Or maybe even second with the sponsorship, but somehow got in there first with the with getting the freebies from them. I think I need to have a word with Johnny, to be honest. I don't think that's on. Uh, we've got we've got a lot of um, albling stuff to show in the next uh, in the new year. We've got some uh, new toys to show off and, and bits and bobs. So uh, thanks to Johnny for that as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, while we're on the subject of Patreon, we'll do a quick shout out to our lovely patrons, um, who, as I said. Everything that you guys do to support us helps support our channel, helps us keep making episodes, also help, helps us plan for the future, of which we're starting to accumulate a few bits of technology required to kind of go ahead. Um, so there's some exciting things that I've been kind of like sneak peeking on our Discord channel and also on um, um, our Instagram channel. Um, so just a quick Patreon shout out to uh, Jason Rush and Eric Ackerman. Thank you very much, guys, for choosing to support the show. For those of you who want to support the shows in different ways, um, you can. That's the the best thing you can do is uh, go on to somewhere like Apple Podcasts or any other of the podcast providers which um, allow for reviews and drop us a review, or even just give us you know a rating on the five stars would be nice, um, or whatever you think is we are worthy of. Um, but everything, every time that you like the show on one of those apps or every time you leave a comment it helps the show get out there and hopefully get in front of new people so you'll be doing your part with that as well that's most appreciated for every review every like that we get and last but not least there is our discord um most of our questions from our patrons and from the wider community now are basically sourced through our discord uh, community like it's a big burgeoning community really it's um it's been an incredible six months or so i think we've been going for now and the, the, the discord is going from strength to strength um we're actually holding one of our hobby hangouts on discord at the end of this week uh, which may have gone by the time this goes out because it's a busy week but we'll have had our christmas party um, hobby hangout which uh, hopefully you will be there as well chris yeah hopefully i've got it in the diary and uh, i'll buy some more port and uh, i'll hop <laughs> Yeah, it's it's normally a uh, we we sometimes do these probably once every month. It started with the uh, AT Clash of the Titans painting challenge 
last month, but it's sort of just become a regular thing that we're doing. It's like every month we try and get people together. This is a bit different. It's a Christmas party. So um got some stupid games that we'll be playing. Hopefully we'll have some images and things to share, um, maybe by the time that this already goes out. Um, and, yeah, we're going to be giving away some prizes. So I say we. I think I've I've managed to rope Johnny into handing out more freebies for Battle Blink. Um, we shall see, I guess. Um, he said he said to me that he needs to have a chat about uh, about it with me. That could possibly go one of two ways. We'll see. This, this stuff's great, and he's uh, I think he's been very generous with his his giveaways and stuff. So uh, hopefully you'll get some good stuff. Yes. Yeah. In fact, this this segues in quite nicely actually um, to our sponsor updates. On the subject of Battle Bling, they are running a painting competition, which is going to be going through until, I believe, end of January next year. Um, and as well as the usual kind of painting um, contest prize winners, there's going to be a couple of specialist categories. I think you've got one. Is that right, Chris? And then there's going to be one for us. I'll yeah. be honest. I haven't decided what I'm going to be giving a prize for yet. Have you given any? I have. Um, I gave my idea. I don't know if I should say yet. I'll let uh, maybe Johnny... I've dropped him the uh, potential tabletop standard uh, award for something. So we'll, we'll see if he goes with it. Ah, interesting. You keep your secrets. <laughs> I'll keep my secrets. <laughs> Not like the best painter. So it, it, it's something uh, a bit more all-rounded than, than just painting. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know, Chris. I've seen your stuff. Doing yourself a disservice. Top standard. Oh, you mean you mean that Stu who's doing most of the painting? Is that or Steve does the painting? Steve, Steve, sorry, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Steve. I, I just can't, I can't get your guys' names right, can I? <laughs> He's the painter. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to. I'm not here to plug my stuff. This is all about you guys. But um, I don't know if anyone's seen the pictures of the Samson Landers that Steve has just painted. Uh, they our Instagram page, and they are so good. Um, he's done, yeah, an amazing job. So they went away to him, and I picked him up the other day, and they are outstanding. So thanks uh, to Steve for those. Yeah, he sent me a few pictures of them, and it made my one that I smashed out kind of pale in comparison a little bit. I was a bit jealous. He, he was very happy to do it, and I was very happy for him to do it because, yeah, they are, they are good. Well, they are lovely models as well. Like I, I, I still think that they're my favourite Grimdark um, thing that he's done, that uh, Rudolph's done. So it, mine was great to paint, really enjoyed painting it. But what I really like seeing is when people kind of come up with slightly different colour schemes. I went with like the standard kind of grey freighter. Um, you've got one that almost, it, it's like a, almost like the hazard, hazard stripes, isn't it? Like bright yeah. yellow with black stripes. It looks great. Yeah, if you think of... Uh, so we've got one in like a standard grey with a bit of yellow. And then the other ones are in like all kind of yellow. If you think like the the loader from Aliens, mm. and the uh, has the stripes on it, yeah, fantastic. It really stands out. It's nice that they're kind of different, almost like they've got different jobs, carrying different cargo. But yeah, yeah I mean, they're they're just great for um, some narrative missions as well. I've got some I'd like to do some ideas where they're like you know, obviously uh, objectives or waiting for them to land or or trying to destroy them before they take off, sort of thing. So. Uh, they, they can add some real flavour to your games as well. Absolutely, that. yeah, yeah. And now you've got something a little bit bigger than an Arvis lighter to uh, to put on your uh, big landing pad, like with the time when we came on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, 
what you do of it that counts, mate. <laughs> Absolutely. I um as soon as the so because we knew the Thunder Hawk was coming out, um I I got a load of Bronco stuff and uh, printed off some landing pads and I I made some which I was like this should th- fit a, hund- a Thunderhawk. So I did two of those and I painted up two Thunderhawks and I've got a slightly oversized one um for the Samson and the three together it just looks just looks great. Although I'm really gutted because <laughs> I got a little bit excited I bought two Thunderhawks. I got a little bit excited, painted them all up and then like 5 days later John from Battle Bling started sending me all of his kind of um, 3D designs for the interior detailing on the Thunderhawk, and I felt like I had um, gone a bit early, <laughs> so to speak. So now I'm going to have to spend another 25 quid, I think, and get another Thunderhawk. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I know Steve's, I think Steve picked up a couple, um, so I mean, he plays uh, AI anyway. Uh, mm. So he wants them for that, but um, they'll fit in nicely with his epic stuff, and they they obviously make great terrain as well for uh, channel. If I can get him to bring them over, yeah, absolutely. I think I also um, I got a care package through from John uh, Johnny the other day. He came down to Bournemouth, played some games with some of the local guys here. Um, me and him recorded a painting video. It's my first ever painting video. I'll have you know, I felt like a a proper kind of a proper YouTuber. So we'll see. It was nothing overly taxing, let's face it. Um, it was, um, I did a, a little um, overview of how to paint the nameplates um, in the, you know, the ones with the eagle wings on the sides. Yeah. I think they're called No No Fear, is the pretentious kind of name that Battlebling have given them. <laughs> but uh, sorry, Battlebling, love you. Obviously, I painted the originals for those. So yeah, it was, it was like 40 minutes and done. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be a YouTube painter. I think there's far too much pressure for that, for me to be able to do that well. But we'll see. We'll see. Why not? Why not? Well, exactly. You know, um, who knows? I think the goal is eventually that somewhere in the distant future, I will be able to give up my job and just do hobby um, 24-7 and make a living on that, earning what I'm earning now. So that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, my only hope for that is if I win the lottery. Just make videos. Yeah, Johnny. Since the founding of Battlebling, I guess has been promising me a yacht. So, um, like, whether or not it's my yacht, or if it's just going to print a yacht. Well, yeah, we could probably print a little, a little resin yacht. Yeah, um, but I'm holding into that. Um, that's. I think I should probably get that written into a contract somewhere. He promised me a yacht. Um, it didn't say whether or not it'd be mine or how big it would be. To your point, but. Uh, we shall see. Anyway, let's, let's let's go back to the actual updates. Um, so their big um, review is the Artisans of Vol have done a very, very cool iconoclast um, carapace gatling. Um, for those of you who would like one on models, not necessarily the iconoclast, um, which is the rather kind of divisive, I think, subject, uh, which has kind of dogged the iconoclast a little bit. Um, are I, I, I see. Are you guys like us? We were just like, we don't care. Um, we were going in our, maybe not in our tournaments, but certainly kind of like in our friendly games. If you want to use a mixture of weapons, you've got the points for it. It's the same chassis. Why not mix and match? Yeah, I ripped it to bits as soon as I saw it. And splashed it all over my Instagram. I did a poll. 
who's going to do this, who's not going to, you know, change their weapons. Yeah, hated it. The thing is, I don't, I don't get it because you can do it with every other class of Titan. And even if they just, you know, even if GW just made a statement saying, yeah, do you know what? We play tested it over and over with all the different weapons and we found that it was a bit too good. But it's just, you just don't get anything, do you? And I just think, you know, do what you like. Once you buy it and take it home, do what you like. I mean, even yeah. if I was running an event, which I won't be, I'd, I'd even put in my event pack whatever weapons you like the war master i wouldn't i wouldn't care it is a bit of a shame i think um i think i echo most I'd, well let's put it this way i don't think i've heard anybody who said yeah this is fine i'm okay with this on my poll it was something like a 97 percent um yeah i'm gonna arm it with whatever weapons i want there's about three percent of people just think, oh, I'll, I'll stick to the rules yeah that's uh yeah, I mean to be fair, I've not. I, I, this time, it kind of made my decision for me. I didn't. I didn't rush out and buy one, um, which is I think the first time a Titan's come out that I've not. Um, I've asked for one from Santa, so you know it may be that I get one in my stocking at Christmas. But um, I also haven't decided what I'm going to use it with yet. If I'm going to add it into my Graphonicus or if I'm going to use it for a, part of a new Legio or what. But because you can't do that swapping and changing so freely it's kind of throwing a bit of a spanner in the works oh, yeah of course you can i mean chris we we've changed At the beginning of every one of our bat reps there's a list of it's a small list but there's a, a couple of rules that are in the book that we don't use because we don't like them and we don't think it's good for the game so we don't do mm. it no no yeah. okay yeah what's 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 also interesting is in the last couple of days some people on our discord channel have kind of pointed out that there's quite a few of the you know the um the color plates within the um look um traitor book which show an iconoclast titan which has got a revelator with the missiles on top um which is kind of contrary <laughs> to what they're saying so i can only assume that they've just rehashed and reused an old color plate and just changed the arms or something and maybe forgotten about it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's look at the consistency of the books anyway. We've got one minute, something's got arc, then it hasn't. You know, the, the quality of the books are lovely, but the, the actual quality of the books, if you like, are a little bit hit and miss. I mean, we have to kind of, you have to kind of forgive them, I guess, that there probably was an, an element of this which was made during COVID, possibly, and depending on how far ahead they were with their release schedule. But, you know, I... I I think that the the arc thing on the Warbringer was a genuine oversight mistake. I think that I think they needed to put it in the um, the correct it in the traitor book if they weren't going to give us an FAQ. And there's no Volkite weapons in the traitor book. Yeah, yeah, it's sloppy. So I haven't really noticed this. Have they put the yeah no because they have put like the Ursus claws are in there, aren't they? The Shock lances are in there. The other Forge World weapons are in there. Yeah, I just think the Volkites are missing, as far as I'm yeah. aware. Interesting. But I guess I think now they, they've got the turret Gatling. That was the only, like, Warmaster iconoclast equivalent weapon which um, you couldn't buy separately. I think Battlebling now do all of them. Yeah, I'll be um, fuel rolling one of mine. Uh, I did buy the, uh, the full kit as well. Uh, obviously, you want to get that out on the channel. 
and uh, a bit like you, I don't know what lead you to put it in. I have a couple of ideas. Um, do I put in an existing one? I'm probably going to put it in a brand new one, start a new uh, Legio. It's one of those Titans that you don't really need more than one of, I don't think. No, you, no, you don't. Uh, I mean, I've got, with this new one, I've got now three Warmasters. Uh, one's fixed with the, or will be fixed with the, the, you know, the classic Warmaster, uh, the Suzerains. Um, one of them is going to be dual role, so it'll be able to switch between Iconoclast and, and I've got a brand new Iconoclast kit. And yeah, I'm not quite sure to do it. I think I think the Iconoclast screams traitor, doesn't it? Because yeah. of, I think um, things like warp displacement are a bit of a... Um, must take stratagem now. I think. I think that's for a trainer player, especially from if you want to go melee focus. You, you've got to get in combat, haven't you? And I think that the problem that the a, a lot, you know, a vulper kind of aside, but a lot of war um, warlord close combat builds struggle with is getting it into combat mm. um, and maximizing it so that you essentially are getting your bang for your buck. I mean, I know they're a little bit cheaper, but you're giving up a weapon you could use every single turn of the game for one which is going to take you at least two turns to get into contact with, probably. And I think, to your point, that is why they kind of are favoured by the traitors, because you've got your two inch of extra movement from the Legio ability that you can pop, you know, everybody can pop every single time. And then you've got access to things like Warp displacement as well, which you can add it on. There's the um, the extra what are they called the auxiliary reactor um, abilities, which can speed them up a bit. I think. Yeah, so it's got the one. Don't quote me here, but it basically gives you an extra inch movement to your to your normal speed and your boosted speed. But your your push, I think, you're at minus two for your mm. uh, for your your gun weapons, whatever you're firing ones. Um, but um, I'm kind of leaning towards going loyalist with it because I think with that reactor thing, I'm tempted to go Astorum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think in the first two turns, they can add two inches to their boosted speed. That's right, yeah. With that uh, reactor thing, that's three inches. So what's a Warmaster's moving as fast as a Reaver for the first two turns? Yeah, that's not to be sniffed at, really. Right, and then if you back that up, I'm thinking of backing it up with levers, so they're all moving like nine inches in the first two turns. And of course, you stick on there the um, is it the Desolator Chainsword? You got the four inch range with that thing. Four inch reach, so yeah, so the Reavers are getting another plus two as well, so they're going what eleven. This thing, the Warmaster's going like nine. It's going to get you on the table pretty quick in two turns, and it kind of gets away from the. Uh, all Iconoclast Titans are maybe better is mm. I'd, like, I'd like to try and do something not traitor with it especially as I've got one that can dual roll so as a as a Mortis player Chris um, does March of the Dead affect Maniples or does it also affect auxiliary I can't remember off the top of my head I think it's everything I can't remember off the top of my head I'm pretty sure it's all units it's one of those sort of niche scenarios, like you don't play with them enough, really, do you, the big auxiliary titans, to for that to be an automatic thing you just re- think of. You know what? I've got I've got a book here in front of me. I'm sure I can find it. The thing is, with March of the Dead, it's not 
depending on your deployment, it's not as effective on the bigger Titans because they they obviously don't move as far. But personally, I, I think March of the Dead is, is fantastic on your Reavers and your, your Warhounds, especially yeah. Warhounds with preternatural grace now, rushing out yeah. 12-inch moves without having to push the reactor. Absolutely. I've just checked it quickly. Yeah, it's all Titans. Yeah, so it's a basic move. You move with it. It's... It's, it's a four-inch move if you don't give it any upgrade. So it's not yeah not great. It's not like a you know a warhound going eight inches with March of the Dead, and then in the first round having a twelve-inch move without having to boost. You know, have to basically having a twenty-inch move in the first throws of the game. So I think yeah, I think this, the the mid-sized small titans for me, uh, March of the Dead is where where it wins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, anything to kind of avoid. Throwing some dice, some reactor dice on a warhound is always a benefit. Amazing, twelve-inch move without pushing is is phenomenal, and I think it's really cost-effective at around twenty points as well. I just think full loop cow manipul kitted out with preternatural grace would be really good yeah. fun. Yeah, a head scratcher. Um. Okay, so back to the <laughs> back to the the battle play updates. Don't worry, mate. This is exactly how it happens. Ben, it's no <laughs> no different, really. Um, business as usual, you could say. Um, the only other thing is, um, so just a couple of notices, I guess, from the Battle Bling guys. They've asked me to just let you guys know that the store is planning on being open over Christmas. They aren't going to be shutting the store. However, um, it's unlikely that things will be shipped until early January, so there'll obviously be a little bit of a delay over Christmas. Um, but the store is still open if you want to um, use it. And... Um, as part of their painting competition, I should add, um, anybody is valid um, to take part as long as they have got on it a BattleBling nameplate um, around the front, and then they can win prizes. Um, and if you're not sure, you know what the quality's like on the nameplates, or maybe you've looked at them, you've not, you'd like to see one kind of close up. Well, all BattleBling orders um, will be going out with four example nameplates um, in every order. So this is hot off the press. I'm not quite sure exactly when Johnny's going to be do, uh, launching this. I would imagine soon, if not already, by the time you hear this. Um, but you'll get two example 40k scale um, nameplates and two example Titanicus nameplates. Um, so that's going to just replace that little bonus extra um, crate, if anybody's seen those in their orders up until now. So, um, yeah, see them in the flesh, see what you, what you think. And, um, and they are... T- 10 for 18 quid, uh, 10 for 20 quid, I believe. Um, or 18 quid if you are a sub, 19 quid if you're a subscriber to uh, the Tabletop Standard or um, Maximal Fire Patreon. Save yourself that pound by sending us that money instead. That works, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, and then on to our other sponsors, so Grimdark Terrain. So he has, uh, I say he, um, Bronco Fish has um, just dropped his December package, um, which has included um, a bunch of new stuff for his Gothic building set. This Gothic building set now is like ridiculously complete. Like it, there's so much you can do with that now. Um, with the last three, four months worth of stuff, like. The stuff which has been kind of previewed now has just been incredible, and the the size of it as well. I don't know if did you, did you see Chris? He did like a three D visualization. Yeah, like the mapping, or like it was like black and white sort of thing, like going through the street. That was that was yeah. it, wasn't it? 
yeah it's very cool the new gothic stuff is nice and it'll be um nice theme board that in the future maybe i can uh get for myself but uh yeah so what he's doing here is he's uh um also giving people spires which i think is is going to be a a hot addition to to most people because it's all, it's all compatible with the civitas sets as well so people will be able to print their own spires uh, i think there's some new ramp styles for the a-list landing pads um like the um samson landing pad type things um, so a bit more um variety there as well as a bunch of new walls um and additional parts for or additional d- different types of streets if you actually want to print out streets for your uh your boards you can now do that so yeah some really really cool stuff coming out of, of bronco as always i'm really excited to um hear what he's he's got in the pipeline i'm still pestering him to give me some pyramids so i can do a prospero board at some point yeah so was it, was it his interview with you guys he was talking about prospero and the yes. way the webway ideas he's got floating around in his brain yeah That's- all sounds awesome. Terrain, 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 terrain. It's the hardest thing to find for me for like this game that fits right and looks right and, and trying to come up with uh, more original looking tables in this scale. Um, so any any more original terrain, the better that comes out this scale. I think Ben said this in the past as well. Like, I think this game more than a lot of other skirmish games by Games Workshop, the people who play it like to make it look like it's a living and breathing environment. To th- th- these battles are being taken over. There's no randomly chucked out corners of buildings here and there. Like, it's every board I think I've ever placed on Adelaide. I mean, for the, for the majority, it's all been uh, it's been ruined boards. But like you know, you have streets and little areas. Like I remember when we came to your place to um, film uh, the battle versus um, hashtag not Jeff and Steve, um, and even the, the attention to detail that you guys have on those boards as well is pretty incredible. Like tiny little tarantulas um, from are they the Vanguard Miniatures ones, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they probably get lost on video. You probably never notice them, but I. Uh... Exactly. No, exactly. Like it's 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 a, such a small piece of detailing, which if you noticed on the video, you probably would just immediately gloss over. But when you're actually playing on it, it just feels so much more immersive when you've got something that looks and feels like an environment to play in. Like it's it's really cool. I don't know if if it's because maybe Titanicus gamers are and generalizing, of course, are slightly older. Uh, maybe. Terrain for me when I was younger was all the thought. All my money went on um, the models. You know, I didn't spend any money on the terrain, and if I did, it would be just undercoated black and forgotten about a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I mean, as a kid, I think, I mean, yeah, I've, cause I've, I've always played a lot of games with Steve, and, and um, he's always had, uh, when we were playing like 40k and stuff, he's always had nice terrain and nice boards. So it's always kind of stemmed from that. But yeah, but I see what you mean. There is this almost uh, sci-fi historical gamers vibe to AT, isn't there? Where yeah. I mean, it is so heavily narrative. I know people love playing the, the open engine war games, but I think everyone likes just building those 
matic boards around it and uh, feeling like they're, they're actually like part of the heresy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Grimdark Terrain, they're, they're here basically um, for you guys to to do that, to, to build and design your own living, breathing games. Like I say, many of the pieces as well, fully compatible with um, the Civitas Terrain uh, parts. Not all of it. I think um, some of it, like the Argus, um, that personally my favourite ones, like the um, the spaceport style buildings, the kind of hexagon styled uh, towers that you can get. They're by far my favourite. I just love the look of them. They're for me, like the Gothic stuff is is looks fantastic, looks amazing, but it's it's very forty k. I think that the um, the Argus range of his is something which he has very much made his own. And yet it fit, it fits so well into the environment and so well into the game, but it is one hundred percent kind of his own thing. It's almost synonymous with Grimdark. It, yeah, it's got that. It's so original that I think that's why it's so popular. I mean, I've got I've got quite a lot of that stuff. I mean, I don't have a three D printer, so I bought um, through Goldie's Prints, and he he did it all for me. I just sent him the money, get did the order for me. And I've, if you get it, magnetize it. It's all got, it is completely modular and it is worth spending a bit of extra time, uh, I think, uh, doing those magnets. I mean, yeah, you can stick it all together and put it on bases and it's, it's all just right out on the table and it's great. But I love that I've got a limited set, but I can just move it around and turn mm. it into different things. And even just the, the tops of those little hexagon buildings, you can just, Put them down as on their own as a bit of scatter terrain as a little bunker or anything or you can build them up to like you know double six inches high it's yeah it's good it's funny you mentioned the magnetizing because i didn't i i had not even entered into my brain before i saw yours um and i kind of went halfway so what i did was i obviously i've got i've got my own 3d printer so i could print whatever i wanted to but i glued some basic kind of sections um so like essentially the hub pieces i would glue them together in a design that i wanted but then all of the end pieces i magnetized so i could swap out um like uh, the tunnel sections for flat cannons or i can um get like a one of the like joining pieces and and connect two hubs together instead um rather than kind of magnetize everything because i think i would have possibly gone insane and, and bankrupted myself on the amount of magnets that i needed to buy i actually um, i got tony around one evening and said mate i've got this box and there's just because it comes in just so many bits and i was like come give us a hand and i think i'm surprised him with a pizza mm. and yeah we just sat down one evening and just clean you know i didn't really need cleaning but just kind of put it all into like groups of how we're going to do it and um, yeah it's just great stuff really happy with it and all the hexagon bits um, they're not even magnetized they literally just have little grooves and they just they just slot together so that's like half the work done have um have steve and tony realized that they're being exploited yet for their uh for their talents and their abilities or they're not quite cottoned on no they're fully aware um <laughs> but um i'm bigger than steve um <laughs> so <laughs> tony not not i'm not as big tony's bigger than i am uh, not sure what I can do about that. No, they uh, they do know, um, but I, I have ways of bribing them with uh, things like pizza, and uh, I treat them to the uh, old kit every now and then. Yeah. Very nice. 
Very as nice. Long, as long as it goes on the channel, then um, yeah, all they've got to do is turn up and play. They don't do any of the work. I suppose, yeah. Like they're not the ones slaving away, are they? Behind that hot um, editing keyboard, yeah. They get all the, all of the uh, all of the glory and none of the work. All, all I'm doing is so I had I had the I had the real Jeff uh, come for a game film the other week, and I've had Tony in. Um, actually, Steve Steve's family's been riddled with COVID, so he hasn't been able to get out. He hasn't been able to get the house. They're all fine, but so they're all, they're all absolutely fine. But he hasn't, um, hasn't actually caught it. But he hasn't been able to get out of the house for like weeks and weeks. So that's why I haven't seen him. Um, but yeah, in the garage where we're filming currently, it is it has been cold, absolutely freezing. So I've been really grateful for them actually coming in to do it because like, I think Jeff's hands were actually shaking. I think it was that storm Arwen hit. <laughs> we were filming, it was making such a noise. And uh, yeah, poor Black, his hands were shaking and I, I got an electric heater for him <laughs> and Tony. It's just like, so I am eternally grateful at the moment. They're just still coming in and, and help me get videos out in this horrendous venue we've got. It's that time of year, though, isn't it? It's just a little bit more tricky to kind of be doing these kind of like home hobby um, things. I actually I opened up my uh, so, so I, I I moved house. Um, I think not too long before you did, um, and I had all of my stuff all boxed up in um, like plastic containers and stuff. And I left my plastic containers in my garage here, and uh, I went to check out some of my world to foreground buildings and i opened the box and like i could see like black bits down the side of some of my buildings and i opened the roof of one of it and it was full of mold and i was heartbroken mate heartbroken all this all my models everything is literally in plastic boxes in the garage so i just get them periodically i've I've filled them up like bubble wrap and stuff try and keep them all warm well Something that somebody t- turned me on to, actually, is now that we're all doing lateral flows, um, in every single lateral flow kit, there is a little silica gel um, sachet. Um, I wouldn't recommend eating them. They're not tasty. Um, but they are apparently very... You know, they're there, aren't they, for this kind of anti-humidity. I, I, I'm going to chuck a bunch of those into all the stuff that I've got out there and hope they'll keep it off. But uh, my own bads. Unfortunately, the ones that I'd actually selected were not like the airtight ones they were like cheap ones and i think that they just got in there and yeah it's like 60 quids worth of foreground terrain um yeah heartbroken anyway um that's it for our sponsors update only been like 40 minutes or however long it's taken you know what we haven't done we haven't actually talked about what we're talking about today like all the excitement with everything else we haven't kind of given the big reveal as to what we're doing well the plan there is a plan. Yeah, I've I've got the notes in front of me. It's just we're not following them. Um, today we are going to talk about the hot topic, which is Legio Furians, um, a divisive Legio, whether or not you play them or play against them, and that's what is going to be the meat and potatoes. What we're going to get to after the news. So <laughs> let's go on to the events. So I'm aware of two events which are coming up in the near future. Again, if you do have any events you want a bit of a plug for, just Drop it into our Discord channel, and we'll stick them on the next episode. Um, so, the Catonian Cataclysm number two is going on in Credit in Devon, um, and that is happening on the 29th of January 2022. Uh, it's going to be 17:50. Um, at the point that I checked this, there was three tickets left. 
um, if you do want to get involved, is £18. Um, so I'm sure the guys down at Curtain Games um, are going to be putting on a great event if you are in that neck of the woods. Um, other than that, we've got the Maximal Fire at Beachhead event um, on the 12th and 13th of February, uh, which is coming around very, very quickly, and it makes me realise I need to make more terrain. Um, so um, that is unfortunately sold out, though. Um, if you do want to add yourself to a wait list, do get in touch. Um, we've got a, a small but growing uh, wait list, and just let us know what your um, preference is with regards to traitor or um, loyalist. Um, and last but not least, this is kind of a bit late news, I guess, um, but GW announced and have released, and many people have already painted, um, the Armager Knight Helverins and Warglaives and the Moirax. Um, this was an interesting choice, I thought. In fact, we're going to play a little audio message from a question that we received kind of at the time that it was announced. I mean, they're lovely little models. I, 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 really, like, I really like them. They're very small. Have you, have you got some? Chris. Yeah, so I mean, it's also very important to me doing uh, battle reports that I get at least one of everything that comes out. So yeah, I dived on them straight away. Um, yeah, they're <laughs> fiddly little kits. Um, yeah, typical, you know, lovely detail, nice kits. Yeah, but, you know, Forge World expensive, but the detail is lovely. You know what to expect, really, when it comes to Forge World. I think uh, we thought they were going to be cheaper than they actually were. I think we were trying to use kind of like we were looking at the Necromunda prices that you could get three Necromunda gangers for, and we thought it would be around that same price. It unfortunately was a bit bit higher. Um, I know a lot of people have gone running to 3D printers uh, instead, sadly. Um, but interesting. I like the fact that um, I think you can take them in, in um, banners up to, is it nine? Nine. Yeah, which is would be really awkward to use. I don't. I don't think you'll see. I'd like to see nine for the lulls, but I don't think you'll. I think people will take a banner of nine. I think it's a bit unwieldy of a target. I think that the for me. I mean, obviously, like some weapons like the thermal lance are actually pretty decent, but you obviously need to get close enough to be able to use it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I think that their main advantage is the fact that they are going to be smaller than most pieces of terrain. So actually drawing a line of sight difficult. But if you've got a lance, a banner of nine of them, then that is quite a bit more tricky. Yeah, so they're at scale two. Mm. So you're outflanking for one stratagem point. Yeah. You can have nine of these things with these strength eight thermal lances and you can give them melt guns. And I think that, that I think is if you're going to be taking a large banner, I think that is what you need to consider. Yeah, and then obviously I think the uh, warp displacement. Uh, I think that is any unit. I think it was. I think it might have been Sophie from bottom of the barrel, bottom of the barrel bat reps. And I think it was at the reactor meltdown tournament. She played um, George, who we talk about on the um, show all the time. Um, is the kind of secret third member of maximal fire um and she did she did that where she outflanked with some i think they were serastus lances and then warp displaced them straight into combat which is a nice handy little way of doing it yeah so you can do that with nine of them i mean you can take a small unit and you can stick them in a concealment barrage as well if you wanted Mm. the concealment barrage on the edge of the table outflank them into it though keep them safe for a turn but 
Yeah, interesting unit. Um, I don't think the um, Mechanicum ones have got enough teeth. I don't know. They look nice. I, I get why they've, they've made this decision as well, but the other thing you have to be aware of is they only have, was it two structure points? So yeah. if you are critical hitting, which isn't hard, an armager, you're removing two rather than one because the first that the two points of damage is killing one and then the critical effect is killing another so they're squishy yeah, but they're fast they're fast enough i don't think you can ignore them oh, what 11 inches so yeah because the ones with the, the thermals are strength eight you don't really want one or two of those behind your, your warlords i mean they're straight away their strength 10 isn't it yeah doing damage and then, and you just won't be able to get rid, rid of them so yeah They've got potential. I mean, you've got to take them with uh, alongside another banner, so you won't be able to just use them as a point filler. Um, yeah. It, I know. mean, it, it maybe op- offers up more opportunities for um, households to take more than one lance. Uh, how so? Well, I think at the moment the problem is, is that the points mean that to take a minimum lance... In a in a knight household, you in seventeen fifty, it's hard to take more than one. Whereas if you were replacing some of the um, lan- uh, some of the banners with armages, you could make that lance considerably cheaper and get in additional animations. Yes, I haven't actually looked at that. Um, it might be easier because the, the lance is quite unwieldy as well. Having these three knight units staying within six inches um, might make them a bit easier because you can maybe hide the smaller ones so yeah, yeah. After looking at that bit more I'm, I'm i'm kind of thinking uh the next book might be a night book i we we were wondering about this but i they published so much information on nights in these last two then what more would they bring unless it's like a little supplement that they released like doom of molech 2 or something yeah well i think at the moment like if you want to use all the available night rules i think they're spread over four books Mm. So I just uh, a lot of people say it. They like knights. Something not quite right about them. Mm. I, I don't know. Maybe if they release a book, put all the rules in one place, and maybe have an adjustment on the lance rules and how and how you build a knight list. Maybe. Maybe I'm just wish listing. Well, before we go into this any further, let's um, have a listen to the message that we got from um, Andy Devlin, um, and he he talks about knights in this um, in this message and um, wants to know our thoughts on potentially the future of knights. So this is Andy. Hello, lads. Uh, this is Andy uh, over in South Townside. Um, I've got what I think is a topical question because today they just released the. Uh, images of the armages and i was wondering what you thought of them with a bigger question i wonder is this the way forward should we be talking about you know we talked about adeptus knight anicus before where you know really it's a game of big titans and now we've got armages should we just be aiming towards epic should workshop be changing tack and being open about it or is this a good thing for the game so epic do you think that's the way it's going to go or or I, I, the thing, I guess the thing that 
that surprised me the most about the armagers was why they would go and do the armager when there are still Questorus scale titans which are available, um, like the Castellan, which they haven't done. So there are knight variants missing at the moment from your more obvious larger scale. Knights, I thought it was an interesting choice to go smaller, and especially... I don't think that they'll ever release a Titan um, from Forge World, ironically. Um, I think they're only going to release Knights. Yeah, um, so it was just a surprising thing to me that they decided to go small, because I'm not... Apart from what we've already spoken about here, right, in regards to, you know, their points, are there, is there really... Is there a place in the game of Adeptus Titanicus for stuff that small? Uh, all right, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I don't know for Titanicus if we can have because the next thing then is is your, your your shadow swords and stuff, isn't it? And then and then in the game to me then starts doesn't look right. You've got Titans, Knights, and then these an odd few tanks. It, it it probably won't look right to me, and it probably won't feel right. Now, if they just wanted to go and do epic and use all those models have a different rule set like they did anyway and i'm 100 on board with that um, i think the the knights the armages are a bit of a novelty i think it's probably just something I just thought would be fun to release now i don't know i can, you can never second guess their release schedules or what they're thinking but it's a quite it's a novelty i think everyone was really quite excited about it and you know quite enjoyed the models i mean you don't have to buy them do you um yeah, tanks, epic, yes, please. I, I think it's got to be a completely different rule set. I played a game for our patrons the other day, um, which is a knight versus knight battle. We did a Mechanicum house versus a traitor house. And I haven't done it often. And it's just weird. It's just a completely different game without the um, reactors, without void shields, without you know, there's some very minor repairs for the Mechanicum knights, but not man- you don't have that unit management that you do in in with the titans and and that game i just it would need a whole separate set of rules and it'd be another box set tanks infantry and your titans are then like auxiliaries i personally think it'd be a good idea i think they if you know you might get people that don't want to play titanicus but they'll go out and buy titans because they want to play epic i almost you, you kind of alluded to this um earlier on like how the the knights at the moment do seem like it's a completely different experience with not playing knights in Titanicus. I do wonder if if they're almost like a like they're testing out um, potential rules for epic. And I could see some of those elements that are used in knight households being transferred into an epic style game. You know, stripping down those terminals, but still maybe having a little, but it just being hit points and you know weapons on the front and you you know you've got the 360 line of sight you've got the unit cohesion none of that kind of is transferable to anything bigger than a knight it's kind of like well you are basically almost playing two games together when you've got knights and you've got um titans because one if it was a knight household versus a um, legio then you've got one side using one set of rules you've got another side using a different set with a few common elements, like with the weapon stats and stuff in between. Yeah, and the thing is as well, when you 
when you play a game of Titans on Titans, like all the weapons are, are kind of viable because you've got your shield strippers, the low strength, you need them, they're high rate of fire, drop those voids, and then you've got your big hitters and you've got your strength 10s and 12s and all that stuff. And all those weapons work together. When you you come up against a night house and you go, ah, oh, do you know, I've built a list and I haven't got any... I haven't got any blast weapons or oh, my high strength weapon strength eight because I'm kind of planning on getting close to you and getting inside your voids and that it just doesn't it just doesn't work. You kind of you're coming up against a lot of knights. You kind of want those right tools for the job. And I just yeah. if you start if you start going to a game where all those weapons aren't valid, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I just just feel like they're going to have to go another direction if they want to introduce uh, all those other units. I think the way they've done the armages as a vassal unit to a knight banner is actually quite a good idea. I think it stops the spam and it stops stops them being that easy points filler as a, as a, an annoying little unit. So I actually think that's a good idea. I think they've got, got around that for doing that. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I suppose I, I I never I never really played Epic when I was younger, so it was one game which I don't have the same kind of feelings for it, I guess, is a lot of people who play Titanicus. I still love Epic Armageddon. I think that was the fourth edition of the game and the last edition of the game. Mm. And um, I think it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. If they dropped a Horus Heresy 30k Epic box set, I'd be buying it straight away. I'm sure I would as well, but mostly because the specialist games now have my attention more so than the mainstream games. I think, generally speaking, the the rule sets tend to be a bit more tight. Um, and I love the 30k setting because, as we've you know alluded to so many times on this channel, the lack of units makes it more balanced. And it's only the mat like the maniple choice, you know, or the um, the legio choice. Or, you know, there's a lot less to kind of balance off against each other because everybody's using the same titans. It's just the flavour which goes with it, uh, which which is the differentiating point. I I think the best thing for the for the game would be the the introduce the introduction of epic. I think that I, as long as they didn't do away with Titanicus, I think that would be a very good thing for the game because you've got then a different. Um, player base who are being pulled in because not everybody who played Epic will necessarily like Titanicus and not necessarily everybody who likes Titanicus would play Epic but you might end up with so many people kind of being drawn in to these sort of mass battle games of Epic who had completely ignored AT finding their way into AT and you've got that overlap of units which you can use from one into the other absolutely i mean there are people playing um 30k ai just with the marine ships and there are people buying the ai ships just to put on their at boards the crossover is there like model wise i would go so far as saying as potentially that marine release has bought ai some more time because of the amount of sales which I think would have been driven by people wanting the models for Titanicus rather than playing the game. It's a great game. I've, I have had a go of it. I enjoyed it. But to me, it's, it's, um, it's more of a board game vibe. 
that's fine but i like my my war game vibes i like building the tables i like doing the balls the terrain all that stuff so i i kind of want that that full immersion from a game and ai doesn't give me that but the models are lovely they're, they're scaled to 80 now we've got armages you've got fighters jets plastic thunderhawk got titans you've got knights it's not it's not much more is it it's not a million miles away and, the th- and and as well, the thing is that you kind of have to remember is that this is 30k, but certainly the Titans, they're the same in 40k. You know, a lot of the fighters are still used in 40k from, um, well, obviously, because AI is a 40k game. Um, and a lot of things like Shadow Swords are still used in 40k. So you establish a 30k setting maybe bring some orcs in, maybe bring some Eldar in, scratch that itch for those Eldar players, those orc players who are desperate for rules. And then when you've you know, spun that money barrel a few times and generated more money and more investment in the games, then you can introduce 40k elements and maybe a 40k rule set. I'm not so, That wouldn't be what I'd be interested in because I'm much more interested in Horus Heresy than I am in, um, in 40k, yeah. but it's not a million miles away. I would like them to keep it um, Horus Heresy. They can always do Eldar and Orcs, Great Crusade. Uh, 40K's got enough stuff. Let's, you know, let's have our stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, it, the rules for AT, in my opinion, are so good. It, I mean, they can always tidy things up, but it, it doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't need a second edition. The, the game is, is good. What they could do and what they have done is obviously release your, your campaign books, but they could release a Great Crusade box set. It's using, obviously, the AT core rules. You have your book in there. But then you've got your your, your models and your books for your Orcs and your Eldar as, a, as a, another box set. Um, what, yeah. what, what would you want to change rules-wise, AT? I, I, you know what? I can't remember if we spoke about this on the, sh- on the show already the, while we've been recording or if this was something we were talking before we started recording, but um, I think that the only thing which is it, it just needs tidying up, right? And they've they've done that with the loyalist book and the traitor book. That's all nice and tidy. I think that they they could release a third book, which is a campaign book, which brings a load of campaigns or a load of settings together, bring all of that other um, information kind of into one place and tidy up some of the night rules, sort out some of the questions on their stratagems, um, which haven't been really FAQ'd since Doom of Molech. Um, that needs to be done. They need to be almost brought in line with um, the the Titan ones. And, you know, I spoke to our um, one of our friends, a guy called James, who runs a night banner. And when you're playing against a Legio, you, if you've got a high king in there as well, you can end up with so many stratagem points to spend, and there's very little in the way of um, choice. There's some which are obviously good, and there's, there's some which are terrible. They're okay, and some of them don't even. The smokescreen one doesn't even affect titans. Hmm. It's like their version of blind barrage, but it only affects night banners. Yeah. So generally most of the time is going to be fairly pointless unless you're playing against you know an opponent who frequently takes a night banner as well um you know they they do need a little bit of something i would say give them give them a night book but they 
published so much information on the night houses in with the loyalist and the traitor books already that i don't think they need it but there there needs to be something just to tie those last few books together um you know maybe that the crusade legio rules as well just give them once over um they build your own ones aren't they yeah yeah get rid of them <laughs> it's funny it's funny you say that like there's there's so many oh, i mean we don't like restrict we're working on a little bit of a um a maximal fire faq pack type thing is is what we've been looking to put together which is um some of the commonly common questions which have been asked at tournaments um based on our experience of, run, of running tournaments it kind of be part of a uh, if you are new to running a tournament, you know you could basically pick up our pack and you could run with that if you wanted kind of a tried and tested rules pack, um, along with some common misconceptions about um, ambiguous rules, or maybe there's some rules which are just a little bit too ambiguous, and you want a ruling on it. Like we'll we'll kind of do a ruling on it, and if you choose to use our FAQ pack, then you can use that um, because. There's quite a lot of stuff out there at the moment which is open to interpretation, and we have to write like a list of our clarifications. It's no, it's, it's never huge. We don't like banning stuff, so to speak, but Crusade Legios are always the kind of thorn in the uh, in the poor a little bit. In that they're either fine or broken, and it's finding that happy meet. This there is some broken combinations with. Um, with the use of vortex, um, and I, I think that we flat out said that Crusade Legios cannot take corrupt uh, corruptions and cannot take mutations um, from Beachhead's events because I think that that is open to further abuse. I say abuse like that. That I don't want. That's 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 too negative word. But it's it is open to some horrific com- combinations. I think, and you. As a tournament organizer, you have to balance what's fun for the person playing the Legio with what's fun and good for the event. Um, it's nothing worse than basically mediating arguments between two different sides, and we've been fairly lucky in that we've, in the two that we've run, we've only really had one instance I can recall where it was like a, a we had to make a ruling and put our foot down. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely. They're definitely a sticky wicket, <laughs> I think. Um, there's some lovely stuff that you can do with them, but I quite like the Mournival's approach to the um, Crusade Legio. You give them, give them a, each um, a trait, like a value, and then you give, uh, as part of picking, you don't pick four traits, you would pick ten points worth of traits. The ways of doing it like that, I think, instead. But, um, yeah. Anyway, we were talking about armages. How did we end up on this? <laughs> we hit a lot of tangents in this. Uh, <laughs> is this my fault? <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely not your fault. It's, uh, this is business as usual. Um, right, okay, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break, um, and then when we come back, uh, we'll look into Legio Furians.
Oh, welcome back, guys. So, part two. Um, these guys, as I alluded to earlier, like have a bit of a reputation in AT. I've played probably, I'm going to go as far to say, probably at least a third of the games I've played in AT been against um, Tiger's Eyes. They're a very, very popular um, Legio. Um, they also have a stunning scheme, if you want to paint it. Um, it's not the easiest if you want a freehand, but I know a lot of people have been utilising uh, stencil, not st well, they're more like um, masking, aren't they? Uh, airbrush masking stencils, uh, which absolutely look incredible, really. So they're a a, a lovely looking Legio. Um, are very versatile. They can do a lot of damage, and I haven't played with them personally, but um, from what I hear, they can be a lot of fun to play. So let's go into some of the rules. They are same as usual, uh, they have, in this case, um, four traits, including um, one stratagem and one piece of war gear. Um, and the first off is Machine Rage. The tribal minds of the Tiger Eyes Princeps have accumulated within the spirits of their god machines over the centuries. This mingling of predatory instincts and plasma-fueled fury makes Tiger Eyes Titans more prone to rage, but more focused on their prey, when their machine spirits are awakened. When rolling the reactor dice, a Tiger Eyes player counts both the machine spirit symbol and blank facing on the dice as a trigger for the awakening of their Titan's machine spirit. The blank face does not increase the reactor level. However, if a Tiger Eyes player fails the command check to quell a machine spirit, they may choose the result from the awakened machine spirit table rather than rolling randomly. If the Titan is a corrupted Titan, it instead rolls two dice on the Awakened Entity table when called upon to do so, and chooses one of the results. So, obviously you're doubling your chances of needing to roll Machine Spirit um, with, with this particular trait. Um, you're, you're, you're a one in three, basically, of having to make a command roll. If you're taking something like Warlords, you're probably going to be okay on that three-plus basic. Even... Um, on most Reavers, 4 plus basic, you should be all right. Um, but in the event that you do fail it, you get to choose. So you could, um, you're removing that element of dice throwing. If you were going to shoot, you can still shoot, although it's slightly worse. Um, being able to pick the result offsets the fact that you're going to be rolling more often. Yeah, so it's, it's actually very good for a standard engine because you get to choose anything you get to choose you know there's a lot of randomness in this game it's it's not a very forgiving game when something goes wrong and you're rolling on a table or something it's your plan's gone out the window effectively so being able to choose that is great what it does do for corrupted titans it makes it it makes it harder i think for corrupted titans because uh, your your leadership is reduced your command value is reduced by being corrupted you stick multiple corruptions on you you're reducing your command value by two and then you roll in two dice you're actually having to roll on the corrupted table you can't just pick you're rolling two dice and then you've got to pick one of them so it's actually less uh a lot less efficient i think for uh, corrupted tiger eyes i mean you are i mean i suppose you're going to be rolling anyway if you're a corrupted tiger. i think that the difference here is that you're going to be potentially rolling them even more if you are corrupted because you're going to be triggering yeah. that dice roll Exactly, a lot more because you, you, it's two sides of the D six, and and the corrupted table isn't isn't great um, in comparison to the regular one. And if I say the other, 
and and you are rolling on that, that chart with the other one you can straight up pick you'll just pick the best one you'll pick the one that suits you there's still an element of of randomness uh for the corrupted one so and if you roll the same dice i guess you basically can choose like if you if you rolled fearful on both of those dice you can choose between fearful and fearful that's it that's your options isn't it yeah so, um it's yeah i i quite like that element that the corrupted stuff is is wacky and it's still it's, it's kind of taken away that element of oh, i'll just pick the best one you all right it's it's two dice rather than one but yeah, the, the the corrupted stuff, like you say, because you're you're rolling on that chart with a blank as well, it increases that, and then you're you leadership. I mean, warhounds would be a nightmare um, if you've got multiple corruptions on a warhound. Your bigger titans, maybe not so bad. Yeah, I suppose if you're running a heavily, uh, say you got, say you're running a, a an extergamus mana pool, you're you've got two mutations on that. Um, and you, so you, you would be at a minus two to your command level. So you'd be on a five plus. So you'd be on a fifty-fifty with your warlord at that point, because obviously you can't use the you know the bonus for the princeps senioris doesn't stack with that. That's orders only. So you know, going from a three plus to a five plus is is a significant drop. Granted, you can choose to some extent. You can choose what you roll. <laughs> yeah it's, it's not it's not the same as it's, it's a choice but it's not necessarily going to be the yeah. best choice unlike the standard engine it's the best choice i mean th- th- this starts off on kind of a bit of a you know if you're not familiar with the rules you're probably thinking oh, oh geez this is this is not great i mean i think if you're uncorrupted i think it, i think it can be still be pretty good you're not likely to fail those roles, and even if you do, then you can still choose to do what you want to do. I think corrupt titans are a, possibly a little bit more unreliable. Yeah, but that's the whole point of corrupted titans, right? They're, they've been taken over by a, some crazy demon, and and they're not they're not reliable. They're, they've kind of lost themselves a bit. So yeah. um, I think that fits in nicely. Um, I personally don't think you'll see lists with four or five corrupted titans maybe i think people will generally maybe go for they'll tool up one or two yeah it's not going to be like a vulpa list where like everybody's just going fully corrupted balls to the wall i don't think but i mean this obviously it's the first one you come across may seem like a bit of a negative i think in some respects you know with the corrupted titans it is but it offsets i suppose some very very strong rules with the rest of their traits. So take that with a pinch of salt, I think. Let's move on to their second Legio trait. So this is Many Faces of the Omnisire. Tigerized crews see the presence of the Omnisire in every aspect of the machine, from the thrumming power cables to the command throne, to the clanking chains of the autoloaders. Each is venerated in its own right, and crews often beseech them for their beneficence at the start of the, t- of the battle. In the first round of the game, any Tigerized Titan may choose to forgo its activation in the movement phase and or the combat phase, in essence doing nothing for that phase but counting as one of the Tigerized player's activations. For each phase sacrificed by a Titan, either one or two, the Titan may re-roll any one dice later in the game. A Titan chooses if it is sacrificing its phase when activating in that phase. It's forgoing an activation even in turn one, I think, is 
it's not something that I would be doing voluntarily. I think that there is, however, going to automatically be the odd occasion maybe you're happy with your movement and you don't need to move and this gives you a little bit of a cherry on the top that you could then use later on yeah you're, you're probably if you're if you're dead set on using this rule you're probably building your your mana pool around this rule and if you're using your i mean if you've got melee based this this is almost very difficult i think to get that advantage because you probably want to be full striding or, or moving if you're moving and you, you, you've got short range weapons you're not necessarily going to be attacking in the first round of the game it's not terrible is it getting an extra dice um you're getting something rather than nothing yeah and you, you're not always attacking in the first round it, it, this really does depend on how you've built your list i think um you're either planning on using this fully or it's it's um oh, well i'm not going to do anything this activation i'll get a, a dice for it. i don't know it's it's a mixed one it's very it's very typically um titanicus isn't it where there's a payoff but also a negative yeah. as well i think um it lends itself quite well i think to the larger heavier maniples like you say like the close combat maniples like a ferox probably not but if you are running uh, an extergamus um where we'll be tracking gyros up top say where you don't necessarily need to be moving that first turn you know you set yourself up in some cover i think on those sort of mana that one maybe the fortis as well when you set up you know some heavy titans in base to base not moving so although early game you could argue your shields should still be up so you won't need to although you can merge shields on the fortis if you are in base to base yeah i can see great the fortis uh, I, I guess a lot of this does depend on your missions as well and what mm. what your titans are going to be, be needing to be doing in, in the last couple of games i've had funny enough i've come up against fortis and the, the missions have been drawn in the way that the missions have suited a fortis where they've actually been very happy not really having to move and i've had to go at them um so yeah it's you're not paying any points for this, so if you get it off and you get that reroll later in the game, it's great, isn't it? So it's not. I think it's quite a nice rule. I think it's very typical AT payoff, but a negative going an activation can be crucial. But it's the first turn, so it's not the end of the world if you don't move. And rerolls aren't common. Getting a, a reroll is pretty useful. It's a good thing that it's not common. It's a, it's a lazy mechanic. Um, yeah, it doesn't, need to be, it doesn't need to be in this game. Loads and loads and loads. It's actually a nice novelty when you do get one. It does say as well, though, that it can re-roll any one dice. So it's not saying it has to be a d6. It could be any dice roll in the game, yeah. which could make a big difference. I think we can traitors can pay for that that uh, privilege now, can they not? Um, is that not a, a additional war gear a reroll? See, unholy benedictions. They traitor player. Upgrade with Unholy Benedictions, 15 points. Upgrade can re-roll a single dice roll. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all the dice as well. So if you're firing a Gatling Blaster, you're, you're re-rolling the whole lot. Um, yeah. But it does suffer the minus one to the result of all command checks it makes up until it uses it. That's, that's the trade-off on that. So it's... And that, 15 points. So And the Furians is... You can pay for it, or you can... Be furions and not do something in the first turn and get one. Well, yeah, you're paying for it and you're suffering a minus one command, or you're you don't pay for it with furions and you 
have to sacrifice a round of movement. We can be Furians and not activate and uh, pay for it as well and have up to, what, three rerolls? So if you don't move in the movement phase and you don't attack in the combat phase, that's two. Yeah. You, could, you could pay for a third one. Yeah, you could pay for a third one. You could go... Um... Exterminus is going to be the thing here, isn't it, for Furians? Well, they... they... We'll get to the maniples later, uh, but they, they they certainly have a reputation. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, the next one is the Legios specific stratagem, Offensive Surge. It's a three-point stratagem. Um, attack is the very nature of the Tiger Eyes, whose Princeps Senioris teach that the striking blade triumphs over all. In Titan Warfare, this doctrine is expressed as an offensive surge by a Tiger Eyes maniple, hammering their foes with a storm of weapons fire. This stratagem can be purchased by any Legio Furians player. Reveal a stratagem in any combat phase. The Tiger Eye player may choose one of their deployed Tiger Eyes maniples. For this combat phase, each Titan in the chosen maniple may attack twice with one of its weapons, but must increase its reactor by one if it does so, in addition to any other effects. Now, the amount of times that this has been used against me and been fairly catastrophic has is, is more than more than once, let's put it that way. Um, the amount of times where I've, as a player playing not Furians, had somebody on the cusp of death and not been able to kind of finish him off, um, it, it, it's happened far too often, right? And and having the ability to shoot a whole extra attack for the cost of only one reactor heat mm-hmm. is pretty strong. And it's every Titan in that mana pool. Yeah. That's a lot. You know, you, you play in a standard game. That's five, you know, or five titans, or whatever. Like a whole, a whole extra titans worth of weapons, isn't it? And more. Yeah. I think what it does do, though, is because it is maniple and not kind of uh, legio wide. It does encourage people to build their legios around one. Man- you won't have like, for instance, in my Graphonicus um, legio, I take two demi maniples so I can get those two um, uh, different Princeps Senioris traits to get the most out of this because it is three points you know you need to be maximising number of titans in that maniple yeah that's fine though isn't it in most cases absolutely yeah. fine yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to work out in my mind if it's balanced because it's three stratagem points does that reactor heat need to be two? Well, I it's it's always caught me out a couple of times about how little this is. Um, uh, c- comparing it to, say, for instance, the, the thing which I can compare it to most similarly is the Reckless Maverick ability for Glegio Graphonicus, where you get one, your Princeps Senioris can get an extra activation in the movement or in the. Um, uh, combat phase. However, that that increases your reactor heat by three. I mean, granted, you're not you're not paying the three uh, stratagem points for it, but three is a lot of heat on any Titan that you you are taking it on. One is kind of it's kind of fine. On who? I mean, you you probably you're doing this because you you're pretty dead cert that you're going to be dropping someone's shields and going for a kill or or a couple of kills. Yeah. It just seems really good value for money, doesn't it? Yeah. Strategy points. 
I mean, I certainly know that when I've played our friend George against it, he has a bit of a reputation for his Titans hot. But when you are kind of like pushing your your, your Warhounds, that's kind of fine if that Warhound is, is taking out a Titan or is, you know, you're taking out a Titan with one, you're putting another one in a pretty vulnerable position the next. You know, it's it's kind of fine, I think. Yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, a warhound alone with the, your standard Vulcan bolter and plasma is going to fire that, that bolt twice as 12 rapid shots coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. If your shields weren't dropped before, they are now. Yeah. Double bellicosa. I just, it doesn't matter, doesn't it? All, all the weapons have got a great ability when you fire them twice. It's a lot of, either a lot of shield stripping or a lot of damage. Yeah. Double, double melters at fusion range. Um, yeah, I'll tell you where I've what the weapons which I see commonly used are. Yeah, your melter, um, the plasma blast gun gets a lot of love. Um, uh, the sun fury as well for the same reason. They got a war master now firing three suzerains. Ah, but the the it's an auxiliary titan. Oh so yes, would, can't be a maniple, can it? Yeah, so or it wouldn't maniple. be part of a maniple. So that that is the one respite. Oh, it is good. Yeah. I've seen the most bang for buck out of Warhounds and Warlords with this. It might just be that I've not actually played against many um, Furians Reavers, but like certainly Warlords and Warhounds seem to get quite a lot of benefit out of this, even though for the Warhound it's it's one heat, which is still quite a lot for a Warhound, but even so it's kind of fine. Depends on how your reactor is at the time, doesn't it? And sometimes it's worth it's worth that orange, isn't it, for the kill shot? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's good value for money. You think I'm quite happily spend three stratagem points on March of the Dead just to move in the first mm. turn. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very powerful. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily something that you would take. Like I say, it is at a very expensive point. Um, it does a lot. Doesn't it? You could. You could. You could happily probably unless unless you had a very specific plan of taking stratagems for a very specific mission is fine if you were just thinking that just off the bat oh you, you could quite happily just take that every game can you yeah yeah and i think good i think many many furians players will build around this uh, because it is worth taking um ironically i know that furians played furians uh in reactor meltdown 2 our friend george um again Neither player for that game took offensive surge because it was really? Furians on Furians. So kind of like, well, you know, you I know what you're going to do, and you know what I'm going to do. So I think there was an element of bluffing each other there. But yeah, I mean, I can't see why you wouldn't take it just because you were playing Furians. But <laughs> that's what one for them, I guess. I just thought it was yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's the only time I've I've not seen it. Yeah, it's a strong, strong stratagem. But it's an expensive stratagem. Uh, their final piece of uh, Legio specific war gear is hunting or specs. Uh, the forges of Incaladion created many unique systems for their Titan legions during the world's long isolation from Terra. Though most have been lost to history, some remain within the ranks of Tiger Eyes, such as the hunting or specs. Any Legio Furians Titan may be upgraded with a hunting or specs for plus 20 points. A Titan equipped with a hunting or specs is better able to pick out enemies from the tangled wreckage of the battlefield, especially at longer ranges where it can isolate targets. 
When making a ranged attack at targets over 12 inches away, the Titan may reduce any penalty to hit by one to a maximum of zero. I, I cannot stress how good this piece of war gear is. For the price, I mean, okay, it's, it's 20 points. It's not cheap. It's not expensive. But to be reducing the minus on long-range shots by one yeah, for everything is incredibly strong. An example of this I'll give you, right, is you had an Apocalypse missile launches on top. You could indirect fire at long range. Is that 30 inches? 24 inches? Something. Over 30. Yeah. You get a plus one to that, that hit at long range. You indirect fire it. So you would be indirect firing on a three up. Don't even need line of sight to the target as long as somebody can see it. Mm. If you were calling a shot to a target at long range and you needed to hit the body, it's a minus one, it's not a minus two. Plasma blast guns, as okay. another example, long range, well, over 12 inches. So you've got like four inches where by you're still suffering the minus one, but from 12 inches to 24 inches, no minus one to hit. It's damn good. Really, really good. Um, Are these available for the Crusade lists? No. They're not, so it's purely experience. There's there's a lot of similar kind of Legio-specific war gear, like there is a very similar for um, in Autumn, which reduces the cover penalty by one. Um, to a minimum of zero, I believe. Very, very similar, but it's specifically cover. Yeah, this is much better. This is anything. Any role which would redu- reduce that role. So there's so many applications for this particular point of war- uh, piece of war gear. There's, there's not... It's all, it gets expensive fast if you're going to be putting this on everybody. If you were taking a five, five Titan Manipul, then that's 100 points just on this. But in those larger... Uh, maniples when you only need to buy two or three or even just sticking it on on the warlord in the um in the group you're going to get your money's worth with that every time i actually think it's actually very good on the warhounds 20 20 points is very affordable and then getting those uh three plus to hits on long range uh plasma blast guns is great because that then effectively turns them into really good shield strippers as well yeah yeah Four, four hits. Yeah, I mean, there's no, no real downside to this, isn't it? You, I mean, you're looking at if you're looking at um, the rules that being stationary, potentially offensive surge, and and hunting aspects. You, you're looking at, I mean, it's only my opinion. Furians being a very long to mid range build. In my mind, I'm thinking traitors. I'm thinking like melee titans and and surging forward and all that sort of stuff. But they're they're kind of not, are they? Well, these guys can kind of do... Like you say, I think there is a stereotype whereby Traitor Legios are very much focused on c- combat. These guys are very focused on on shooting attacks. But you say mid to long range. Like I think that these guys are... Well, I think they're versatile the whole, the whole way through because at long range, you know, you're mitigating some negatives. And then by the time that they close... You can pop your offensive surge. Um, yeah, there is no, there is no part of the battlefield I, I don't think that these guys will not do well in. Um, this is the one piece of war gear that me and Ben were 
is saying that we thought that they should change it, um, at least make it a little bit more restrictive. I think it will be interesting for um, Urian's players now with the addition of the corruptions and the traitor blind uh, upgrades. They've got. I mean, this is obviously very good. They might think, well, what, I'm not interested in that stuff. I'll just, I'll just have this. But maybe now, when, when there's a lot more options and points start stacking up, um, they'll be thinking about what they want to take uh, over, over hunting aspects. I won't pay for that. It's something I'd rather have, but it's good. You'd be hard pushed. I think you'd be hard pushed to find a better piece of wood gear. And if you want to, so I'm, I'm a big fan of preternatural grace on warhounds. 20 points you stick this on there as well yeah that's 40 points of warhound but with to the point we made earlier on with preternatural grace you are paying 20 points but you're also paying kind of a cost on furians with the negatives that you're going to be taking to the command check and the fact that they are triggering the machine spirit more often you will the warhound being what they command five so that goes to six and then yeah on that yeah we will Will Furians be a big corrupted leisure? Will people just stick with the standard engines? Maybe we've got enough good stuff here as it is. Yeah, I think that there is some good balance here. Like I, that's probably kind of like an opinion. I it doesn't seem like I <laughs> felt like this when I, people speak to me. I I generally like to wind up Furians players, um, but they have some very very competitive rules at the same same time um I'd, I'd be interested to see where ben would um tier this himself but i'd probably go and say that there may there may be a top of tier two these guys i think that there are better um overall packages however there is a few stronger pieces of war gear yeah i have to try them out on the channel i've, I've i'm yet to um it, i guess it depends how much that uh, machine spirit thing crops up and, and gets in the way but it, it does to... it does happen fairly often it's i mean so far it's nice actually seeing a legio where everything's like you'll see everything happen in a game and you'll probably use everything you'll probably take something with hunting specs and at some point you, in the first round you you'll probably get something with many faces that will be on the sire off and you'll probably definitely be using offensive search so everything is very uh playable there's nothing in there you think oh i'll never use that they've written the rule and i'll never use it or i'll never yeah. use that equipment. that's quite nice i think you kind of um when you when you when you're sort of thinking about the machine rage which is probably the downside of the legio albeit when they're not corrupted there is still a benefit i think that there is ways of mitigating it though I think if you're not taking weapons which require a reactor dice roll, that will help. Um, if you're not taking, if you're not pushing your Titan for things, um, if you've got ways of getting th free pushes like you know, rupture a maniple or something, and if you're taking bastion shielding, potentially then you're not also pushing again for your shields. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, if you're going to do this, it seems to me that you want to be kind of funneling your um your potential machine spirit dice rolls to those out of action uh, out of um phase um rolls like like pushing for your shields because if you push for your shields and you fail it 
and then you get to roll on the dice and choose. Well, you, you may have actually got something extra that you wouldn't have had before. Um, it's, it won't be that you're losing an act in moving something because you, you moved when you were pushing or you were shooting a weapon. Now you can't shoot that weapon. So I think there's ways you can mitigate it as build around. I mean, that, that awakened machine spirit thing to me, that it, it doesn't seem like a bad thing at all. I mean, at the end of the day, you can, you can choose to make a repair roll, can't you? The actual, the, the, the uncorrupted version, 100%. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's, it's yeah. I think that's, I'm trying to think of ways that you could still corrupt your Furion's Legio. I think you've got to go for it. I think the whole thing with corrupted lions is that there's a lot of downers to it. And um, I think that's good. I think that's really good for the game. And I think that's nice and fluffy. Um, I think the uncorrupted ones where you just pick what you want is, is pretty good. That, that in itself is quite strong i mean you don't you don't fail too many command checks to you with your bigger titans machine spirit stuff generally speaking they're less likely aren't they yeah so yeah it's all good i mean you push your warhound it gets you roll a double or some point and then later on you can get a free pair roll because you've rolled a machine spirit it's not the end of the world is it no no Okay, let's move on to the personal traits now. So standard three personal traits, uh, pick or roll, depending on how you're playing. Uh, the first one is Titan Stalker. The Princeps is adept at taking down larger prey, knowing just how to exploit their weakness if they can't get close enough. When targeting an enemy that is within eight inches, the Princeps Senioris may add one to the armor rolls of any hits, provided that the target Titan has a scale either equal to or greater than their own. Um... Are good for the smaller Titan builds, I think. You know, this on a Warhound is pretty decent. Yeah, this is this is your your mids. This is your Reaper Titan all day long, isn't it? We got a melee yeah. weapon. Yes, yeah, certainly with the melee, like a Ferox in general would benefit from this quite well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is also a change from the Titan Death book with with the uh, Furion's Rules Run first. It used to be a twelve inch range for this. They've dropped it. That's to a eight. considerable reduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that was to kind of offset the fact that the hunting or specs is twelve plus. Yeah, so you're either getting you're either getting a, a bonus to your hit roll, you're getting a bonus to your armor roll. Yeah. There's that there's that midsection now where you you're not getting anything. It's fine, isn't it? It's fine. Plus one. Yeah, it's 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 pretty decent. Um, I've definitely seen better personal traits. Um, than 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 this, but you know, if you were rolling it, I think you would be happy with that. Um, but on the right maniple and on the right titan, I think that this would be this would be fine. On the ferox, a lupercal as well would probably be quite quite good. It's funny when you, you look at the personal traits and we're looking at all the uh, DJ specific stuff, and we were saying, oh, you know, Furians is very well geared up for you. You, you shoot in armies, your you long range, and you look at these traits and you think. They're all quite close stuff. Mm, yeah. So that Hummeradu Savage, um, which is their second one, some of the primitive humans harvested from the Hummeradu by the Tiger Eyes would eventually join their ranks. Although despite years of psycho-conditioning, they still retain much of their savage nature. So, uh, when the Princeps Senioris Titan makes a smash attack, add two to the strength of the attack. It just seems a bit out of place to me. Looking at maybe that's the maybe that's the the, the downside of Furians. you've got all these brilliant rules that make you think well i'll sit back i want guns 
<laughs> the downside is your personal traits will want you to get up close. Maybe if you if they fitted around the other traits and, and war gear better, maybe then you started to talk about, oh, they're a little bit too good. Yeah. Again, maybe maybe if you took a a Ferox maniple, it might be useful. Or you were taking a specific, you know, were taking a build which had a close combat reaver on it, or something like that. You know, you you weren't building around it fully, but you wanted a benefit to that particular one titan. Then so, there'd be some use. I'm just thinking there is a corruption. There's a smash attack corruption, which that might work nicely with. So is it uh, organic protrusions? Corrupted Titan, upgrade with this, 15 points. Uh, it automatically makes the attack value for the smash attacks three and gives it a range of two inches. Right, so you're doubling your smash attack range for that particular one. Yeah, and it's always three attacks. So you've got three attacks with this plus two strength. Is, is that worth it, though? That's so I mean, if you're a ruler, that's because it's they scale nine, scale eight. Uh, scale scale eight. Scale eight. So their strength, uh, ten. No, it's plus one for a smash attack as well, isn't it? Strength. Oh, is that on top on top of the plus one? Yeah, yeah. So strength eleven smash attacks, and you're always getting three. Mm. It's a two inch range, and if you're feral. But is that the case though? Because because they it's normally scale plus one strength. Yeah, scale plus one. So would this not be scale plus two? I don't know. I thought was, I was reading this as it was an extra two. Scale plus one, and add two to the strength. Hmm. Oh, I was reading it. So we have a Ferox Princeps. It's a strength lever. It's a strength twelve smash attack. The organic protrusions. You got a two inch reach. You're always getting three attacks, and you can use a ballistic skill. It's a build around, though, <laughs> right? Is, yes, it's a big, big old build around. You're building around that one, um, one particular trait. If you're taking a Ferox Manifold, anyway, yeah, your, your Princeps is probably going to be a Reaver. Would you take that over Titan, Titan Stalker if you were picking for the extra plus one damage? You'd be on plus two in short in knife fighter range. I don't know. I mean, Probably not, because you, you haven't got to bother paying for the, for the corruption then. Yeah, you've got the extra points on top as well. How are you playing your game? Are you, are you picking your trait, or are you rolling that D3 for it? Yeah, I, I, I've, certainly, I've, I've certainly started to roll. Um, I haven't decided yet. Um, there may be some updates to Beachhead I haven't decided yet. If we're going to make it, keep it pick that we've done in every other... Um, uh, every other event that we've done, or move it to roll. I am having played in a quite a few events now where we are rolling. I I can appreciate the balancing which rolling for traits brings to the table on, for some legios, and especially when people bring two demi manipuls in a list and they're picking two traits. That's that's can be quite strong. The min maxing, you mean? You know, basically playing to your strengths every time. Yeah, yeah. And on dominant strategists, you'll probably find is one of them. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's possible. That's like one of the main reasons you take a demi mana. Take one strong um, uh, legio trait on the one that you're, you know, you want it on, and then the other one you take dominant strategist for when you need to maximise and steal that that opus for that particular turn. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's one of the strategies I've seen all the time. I've played it myself. <laughs> like, 
And the last one is Trophy Taker. The tiger eyes are known to claim trophies from their fallen foes. Their princeps going so far as to tear limbs and heads off enemy titans as a display of their savage dominance. Any weapon disabled or critical damage caused by the tiger eyes princeps by an attack made using a smash attack or a weapon with a melee, melee trait is harder to repair. These weapons require a dice score one higher than normal when making repair actions. Eh? So they've changed this in the in the original. This was just air disabled weapons. Right. But in this version, it's also critical damage. And if I'm reading this right, and if I haven't drunk too much port, you're, you're repairing critical damage on fives, aren't you? So yeah. It's now reducing, being able to repair that critical damage. Now you need a six. So it's it's better. Let's be honest. If you're in close combat with a with a reaver, why aren't they calling targets to something that they can do? Like I get I get the critical hits thing, right? Would you be really targeting a we- Sometimes you might be targeting a weapon, I guess, if that's the only thing on a wall or that you kill, for instance. There is that one but surely- in there where you, that, that opponent's close combat weapon is going to kill you, so you try and take that out, and then it's got to do something else. Yeah, but-, but this doesn't really strike me as a defensive kind of trait. Like This is something that you would take on, on, on an offensive close combat titan. I mean, you're not, you're not going to want this trait over the other two, are you? I just think that, like, if you're in close combat, like, the most the, most of the time when I've been in close combat, and I've I, well, I've had the close combat reaver, something's usually dead in that round, like either on the charge or by the follow up attack in the combat phase. It's not very often that a titan can go toe to toe with a close combat titan. If it's if it's a fresh titan, it's very unless you get a really long charge and lots of attacks it's quite hard to kill in one go i've found it normally ends up mm. finishing off in in the combat phase i've 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 made some good use of reckless maverick um yeah. by going through one titan um with my uh, Griffonicus, then activating him a second time to get a second charge attack um on the second one um i get what you say yeah if, if you were like going what i often what i often do when I'm running a Ferox, is I I will pick out the weaker Warhounds if there are any Warhounds, or the um, the the Reavers if there are no Warhounds, because a they die easier. You know, most of the time you go for the body that's armor value of ten. Um, but also if they fall on you, they're probably not going to kill you. I've made the mistake in the past where I've gone. You know what? I'm going to take out this Warlord, and I did that. I did just that. Absolutely went into him, gutted the thing, then he fell on me, and and I followed him into oblivion. But yeah, it's. I think all of these traits are a bit meh. I there's nothing on here which would certainly if you were picking your trait. I think that there are traits on the um the main rulebook personal traits which would be better than some of these. Um. Especially when you kind of factor in things like the many faces of the Omnisar, which is giving you re-rolls. For instance, if you if you took the um, the Princeps trait, which allows you to re-roll one dice in the combat phase, I think that having multiple re-rolls potentially in a turn is is maybe better. Obviously, dominant strategist is pretty damn decent. 
I don't know if I'd take any of these. Or I don't even know if I would roll on any of these. I think it'd be different if we were going corrupted, because the corrupted um, personal traits are different to the um, uncorrupted personal traits, aren't they? Yeah. Um, apart apart from the the Legia specific personal traits. So then we were saying how good all the other stuff is. Then this is this is maybe the payoff. This is maybe what keeps them grounded. And I think this is a common theme that I've seen. That often the ones which have got strong traits have weaker personal traits, weaker person, yeah, um, princeps senioris personal traits. And the ones which have got maybe traits and war gear, which is a little bit average, are kind of buoyed up by having better personal traits. And I think this is this is one of the former. I think strong personal uh, strong traits. Not so strong personal traits, mm. but still all round a very good Legio. Yeah, and and nice and fun. I think the the uh, machine rage uh, rule. I think that's uh, I think that's a fun rule. I think that's quite a fluffy fun rule. I think that's quite probably an enjoyable Legio to to play. There's there's obviously a reason why these guys are so popular. They look good. It's a nice scheme, isn't it? I think that's I think that's a big driver. I think a lot of people pick. The Legios before they've even probably looked at rules based on the skill, and I yeah. think I think the Tiger Eyes uh, stand out quite a lot. It's, it's it's the classic the classic tale which seems to be across so many things. The bad guys have got the cool outfits. <laughs> so this is the other Legio I'm, I'm playing with doing my iconoclast. So I think you need to actually get yourself a maniple of these guys for the for the show. Yes, it's those flames are putting me off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I really like the mix-up they do as well with the um, the difference between like the yellow plates with the black flames and the black plates with the yellow flames. Yeah, the inverted color schemes is is a really cool way I think of in, of also signifying a senioris or a special titan. They're very very cool. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk maniples. Um, so. I think we've kind of alluded to um, quite quite a few during this discussion. The one which is, in my opinion, the strongest, having played against it a couple of times, um, is the Extergamus Maniple. Um, that Maniple can hit so hard. Um, if you're combining that with um, tracking gyros uh, so that you're not restricted to corridor... Um, and also putting on the hunting or specs, you can really maximise that turn one. And on top of that as well, because you've got 55 degree arc of fire, don't really need to move that much. If you've got like medium to long range weapons, like Apox on top, that first turn, you could not move and then use that reroll later on in the game. And then you are going to be hitting... Uh, like I say, potentially indirectly at a four plus, or if you've got the range on a on a three plus, which is insane. Um, it's the old adage as well. Or is it from a Starship Troopers? Uh, you know, the enemy cannot fire a nuke if you disable his hand. <laughs> I think this is kind of like the Extergamus approach to this. You know, your opponent cannot claim objectives if you destroy all of his titans, <laughs> and and the Extergamus does excel at doing that. The one thing that it does kind of like struggle with sometimes is is shield stripping ability. But with all of the abilities that you've got here with the hunting orbex, for instance, 
Um, and, well, hopefully you won't be using Offensive Surge for um, dropping shields necessarily, but as an option. like It's something that they can do very, very well. You take take with it a, a banner of Questorus Knights, another Reaver, sorry, a, um, a Warhound, like it's just got Vulcan Mega Bolters that can do some shield stripping you. I think that, um, I think it's pretty strong. It's a lot of money on um, war gear, but I think it's worth it. But you would only be packing four activations tops. That's the downside. So you've got to make the most out of it. Yeah, I mean, like you say, with the Extermagus, it's. I think it, it looks good on paper because you're probably getting the best out of all those three many faces, the offensive surge and the hunting aspects. That hunting aspects is particularly good on like on your warlords, isn't it? I quite I quite like the idea of um putting the aspects on the they're very good on warhounds, but putting them on your bigger titans and then using the the preternatural grace on your on your scouting warhounds and having them moving out fast and having your firepower the aspects so like you say on those missiles is quite amazing and I, I think offensive surge using that for shield stripping is not a bad thing especially as it's maniple wide so one titan might be firing again to strip shields but another titan behind it next to it yeah getting those kill strikes in so and, and if at the same time you're minimizing as many of those um machine spirit rolls with those titans you know if you what you can do is if you're taking that um the hunting or specs, you know, you could take a quake, which becomes strength eleven for one heat in an extergamus maniple. Um, you could take um, sun furies. You could take gatl- uh, macro gatlings. You can take macro. Uh, you could take gatlings up top with apox. You don't have to be taking those, you know, lasers for instance, which are going to be um, potentially pushing to um, for shield stripping. You don't have to be taking bellicosas. Um, which have to every single time they fire would be rolling on that. Certainly in an Extergamus, that plus two strength for uh, one heat or two heat if it's over five dice. Um, you know, you can get a Sun Fury for one point of heat, maximal fired, assuming you don't roll ones, up to strength 12. Four dice, strength 12. So the the hunting aspects is probably quite good with the... Just flicking through the book here. Uh, is it the Arcus? So uh, there's Warbringers that are firing in directly, and then yeah. increasing that, that to hit hit roll. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, with with the Arcus as well, you are um, scattering D6 as well, aren't you? Instead of D10. So if you do then um, have a quake up top, uh, if you want, like I say, you could always take the volcano. Which would probably be fine, but you know, it's another another dice roll, isn't yeah. it, that you potentially gotta make before you can fire. Using all that to instead of minus two to minus one is is bad, twenty points. And the thing as well, which is mad about the Arcus, is um you can indirect fire all of its weapons. So you could take a Gatling uh on it on one of its arms and a melter on the other arm and indirect fire that Gatling and a melter over a building. <laughs> yeah. And then fire it again with an offensive surge. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy, but like like you say, it's a, it'll be a minus one uh, rather than a minus two. And with your blast weapons, even if you miss that minus one, you're only scattering d6 inches. Mm. And if you're hitting a, a reaver, chances are you're still going to clip it. Like it's only really going to be a, a five or a six that you're going to miss. Certainly with the 
um, five inch pie plates up top. Um, I think that kind of about rounds up the Legio deep dive um, this this week. Any closing thoughts on that one, Chris? Um, I would like to try Furians on the channel. Um, I don't know if I want to fight them or or, or actually use them. Um, yeah, I'll have to give you George's number because um, like his his Furians is incredible and um, they look amazing do i furious my my uh, next legio of the iconoclast or do i go for the um walk runners theory idea that i had can't decide answers on a postcard <laughs> so that's it guys if you want um a, like a badass color scheme with some really strong rules i think you can't go uh, much much fairer than really the the um legio furians they are a good all-round um legio and they've got um some rules which are um kind of easy easy to get a hang of but still challenging to master and yeah if you've got any questions following up from that uh, do drop us a line let us know what you think um i think we're gonna call it a night now um thank you very much for uh tuning in again uh, we hope to kind of be back on air maybe kind of late january um but for those of you um, who are listening to us over the festive period. I hope you all have a fantastic uh, Christmas and New Year's. If you do want to support the show, please do check us out on Patreon. Um, you can get 10% off Battle Bling through that, as well as access to a Patreon-only uh, channel on our Discord. Um, and do remember, if you can, spare us five minutes, just a quick like, maybe a review um, on your podcast platform of choice. So, until next time, guys, thank you very much, Chris. Really appreciate you coming on today. What would you, do you want to leave some closing words for Tabletop Standard before, uh, before we sign off tonight? Check out the channel, and we'll see you there for some thrill spills and engine kills. Oh, you, see, you had to say that, didn't you? Because like, your sign-off is so much better than mine. So, on that note, thank you very much, guys. I'll see you again next time, and always remember to go big, go loud, and go maximal.